So the title, What Do You Expect? Probably caught some for a second. It's a message I heard many, many years ago, and it rung in my ears that I knew it had to be repeated. What do you expect? It's an expression we say, and we've all heard at some point in time. It's typically used when somebody has over-delivered, I mean, has over-promised and under-delivered. What do you expect? I'm just one person. It's a message that sometimes gets some people off the hook. What do you expect? I didn't have enough time. It's a message we hear all the time. We had the elections not too long ago, and you could hear someone say, what do you expect? The politicians can't deliver everything they want. It's shopping season. What do you expect? They just don't make them as good as they used to. We have the ads on TV. What do you expect? That knife doesn't cut like it does on TV. (laughs) What do you expect? It's something that we've come almost conditioned to in some way. Because so many times someone promises one thing, but delivers something else. So many times we're told one thing, but we're empty when it comes. What do you expect? Actually, sometimes it's funny, we get excited when we're delivered something more than what we were expected. It's a concept that's actually measured. If you look at economics, we call it consumer confidence. If you look at public politics, we call it public trust. Expectation. We're kind of conditioned to be leery of things. The problem sometimes happens, though, is when we take a concept like that and we transfer it to God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Can you turn with me real quickly to Judges chapter 6? Judges chapter 6. When you get there, please say amen. Ah, oh, you beat me. <laughs> I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Judges chapter 6. And it, and it reads, An angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon said. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring them out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us the hand of Midian. For you see, in Gideon's mind, God is a power for God. He did not not believe in God. But God worked so much great things in the past. And it was hard for him to understand where that God was, trapped into the pages of the past. It's sometimes comforting to know that we have a power for God. But 
How powerful is God if he's trapped in the dusty pages of time? How powerful is God if he's working great things in the past tense? And then sometimes we move forward to the future. Turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This time, hopefully, I'll catch up with you guys. John chapter 4, verses 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And we skip down to 25. And the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything. Everything to her had an explanation sometime in the distant future. Now, one might say, wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe they missed something. If we look at both scenarios, because verse 26, Jesus declares the most specific time almost recorded, one of the most specific times, excuse me, recorded of his divinity. He said to her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And both times, God was present. The faith was stuck in a different time. God wanted to work now, but the faith was either in the past or in the future. Hmm. And if you go with me now to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God and Moses are having a dialogue. As many of you know, there's a movie coming out about Moses' life next year. And out of curiosity, I watched the trailer. And as I was watching the trailer, it talked about how God, Moses felt inclined to go and save his people. Not really. <laughs> he didn't really want to go. He felt the opposite. He felt inefficient. He felt that the purpose was probably for someone else not him. But God says something to Moses in verse 14. He said to Moses, Moses, when they ask you who I am, tell them, I am who I am. Similar to, as we look, if we go back to John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, I am, not I was, not I will be, I am. Because God wanted them to know who had been trapped in a situation that was dire for 400 years, that I 
Am, who works right now, could help you in your situation right now. So many, so many things in life depends on the now. Because his, historically speaking, we can't go back in time. Though some are trying to, we can't. <laughs> and then future tense is not obtainable to us until the future comes. So in actuality, all we have is now. Kind of like a little plaque we put into the bathroom. All you have is now. (laughs) All we have is now. And because all we have is now, we need a God to work in the now. (laughs) For what use is God if he's not attainable? There's a campaign around the world that kind of reiterates this, because now is not just a spiritual application. It's everything. If you need to get out of debt, now. (laughs) Start that regime, now. (laughs) Nike has a campaign that they've been posting around the country and around the world that says, yesterday, you said tomorrow. Yesterday, you said, I'll do it tomorrow. No, let's do it now. As many of you know, my background and a lot of my experience post and in college was in communications. That's my degree. That's my experience. And I worked in production. I'm reminded of a story of of a time period where I was in a tiny town. Well, I assume it to be a tiny town. I keep finding people from there. But McAllen, Texas, I thought that it was kind of remote, about four miles from the border of Mexico. Um, I didn't know anyone came from there, but I have found numerous since then. And we were doing a production. We had a team that flew in. We had set up. And one night, we were tested. I was one of the cameramen, which I was typically am. Our cameras were set up. We had checked the sound. We had checked our audio systems. We had checked our screens. We had checked the tape deck to make sure, because this production was a well-known speaker. And it was of our best interest to make sure it went well, because it was going to be distributed all around the world. As I looked through everything on my side, we were good. I listened to headsets. Everyone was good. 30 minutes in. People start walking in as the congregation is. A bigger church, but nonetheless, people start walking in. 20 minutes in, the crowd's building up. We test to make sure the pastor's good. He's good. The big renowned singing group, they're good. We're all sitting there waiting. And then we hear a message over our headsets that you don't want to hear. Our audio guru, he's been doing this longer than I have been living, says in their headset, something's wrong with my computer. The audio, I can't get the programs up. I can't record the audio. Now, for those 
who do television or any type of that, if you don't have pure audio for a DVD, throw away the DVD. We had no second chances on this production. It was live. The pressure was on. We hear scrambling. We look very stoic and very calm on the exterior when we're on the cameras. It is not that way internally. You hear the screaming in the background. Oh my goodness, check this. Check that. People are scurrying around. Checked it. Did you check? We checked it. We checked it. It's not working. The pressure was on. 15 minutes. 12 minutes. We had prayed before, before we started, because it was a Christian production and it was in our best interest to make sure God was with us. <laughs> but our faith, right then and there, needed a God to work right now. There was too much time, money on, at hand for anything to go wrong. Six minutes. The tension is up. Most of us on the outside can't do anything, so we sit there and wait the inevitable. And I recall the pastor, the famous evangelist, said, let's all bow our heads with prayer. And we bowed our heads. We prayed that God would work right now. In 1850, a British gentleman walked into a minister's office. Looking up over, he saw a book that interested him, and he asked to use it, to borrow it. This story. <laughs> the minister looked at him and said, for what for? I feel, the young man said, that the Lord is calling me to be a missionary in China. Hmm, how so? I've, well, this is what I've been praying through, this gentleman said. Well, how would you support yourself? I've thought it through. And if God gave the disciples a staff and a little basket, they were good to go. I would be good to go, too. The minister looked at the young man, shaking his head with wisdom. <laughs> young child, young child. And I would like to quote what he said. Ah, my boy, as you grow older, you get wiser than that. Such an idea would do very well in the days when Christ himself walked on earth, but not now. 51 years later, the young man grew up. And writing from China, he writes, I have grown older since then but not wiser. I am more than ever convinced that if we were to take the direction of our master 
and the assurance he gave us to his first disciples more fully as our guide, we would find them to be just as suited for our times as those in which they were originally given. This young man named Hudson Taylor, one of the most pivotal missionaries to China at that time and in history, started a mission called China Inland Mission, a society that brought over 800 missionaries in his time frame, began 125 schools, resulted in 18,000 Christian converts, as well as established more than 300 stations with 500 helpers in all 18 provinces. His God worked now. And we're not all called to the same thing, mind you, but we are all called to use God at his word now. So, so often, the expression goes, what do you expect? What do you expect? I don't want to leave you guys hanging with the story either. I did it on purpose, sorry. <laughs> the production time ticked through. It got closer and closer. And then we heard the words of delight. What would have cost thousands upon thousands of dollars of damage was a key in the technician's computer that got stuck, which would cause his computer to loop and never, ever start. Minutes before we were able to start, while we, again, are sitting there in our different positions, unable to express our, G, our glee, excuse me, we said amen. Because God came just in time. And he did something phenomenal that only the people who participated would ever know. It's, it's been a, fin- <laughs> a beautiful Sabbath day. And the message itself is just a reminder that God wants to work in our time, in our place, in our situation, among us. He wants to get dirty with us right now. I want to just ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And as, as we talk, everyone, I want us to do just a personal thing. Let's just talk with God and just ask him to work in our lives right now. Wherever you're going, whatever your goal in life is with him, let it be fulfilled now. To God, thank you so much for the opportunity to follow the Lord, to allow you to use, to work. God, let us not forget what it means to have a God who is real to us right now. We thank you so much, God. I mean, even in the good times, the Father, Lord, and even in the times are not so good, let's just always remember like our God is able, capable, willing, and is the I Am. Amen.